0: With SBS Radio. Find more great stories in your language at sbs.com.au.
1: And now it's time for the latest developments in science and technology with Wiradjuri woman and science and technology editor Ray Johnston. Welcome to NITV Radio, Ray. Thank you very much for having me. Now, our first story of the week is about uh, fossil fuel companies' plans to reduce emissions. It appears that they won't meet the Paris target of uh, 1.5 degrees.
0: No, that's right. Australian and international researchers, they've looked into this and they've found the emissions reduction plan that has been published by energy companies like Shell, BP and Equinor, would overshoot the 1.5 degree Celsius warming, warming limit in the Paris Agreement targets by what they call a significant margin. And their study looks at six emissions reduction scenarios from Shell BP, Equinor, and also the International Energy Agency. And they found that only one plan, which was the International Energy Agency's net zero by 2050 scenario, That's the only one that's aligned with the Paris Agreement target of limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. The other five plans all overshoot that warming limit. And the researchers say that their findings highlight how scenario pathways that delay reductions in fossil fuel consumption do run the risk of overshooting that goal and they're arguing that more transparency is needed on the part of the energy sector actors to give us a full picture on the climate outcomes of any of the scenarios they produce it's it's not good enough to have a plan they need to give us the full picture on what it's actually going to do
1: yeah they're specialized in uh, producing very beautiful brochures and then uh, falling short of uh, their promises and now uh, researchers have made a new, faster charging hydrogen fuel cell, and uh, what does that mean? Absolutely, so
0: researchers from the University of Technology Sydney and also the Queensland University of Technology, they've developed a new method to improve hydrogen fuel cell charging times. So, hydrogen is is gaining a lot of attention as an efficient way to store green energy from renewables like wind and solar. Compressed gas is the most common form of hydrogen storage, but it can also be stored in a liquid state or a solid state as well. And the researchers are saying that solid hydrogen storage, uh, and in particular metal hydride, that's attracting a lot of interest because it's more compact and it costs less and it's safer than compressed gas or liquid. And it can also absorb and release hydrogen the metal hydride hydrogen storage technology that's really good also for on-site hydrogen production from renewables so it can go right there on the wind farm or at the solar farm and it can store the hydrogen for a long time when it's needed it can then be converted from that solid state to a gas or also as a form of thermal or electric energy when it's converted through a fuel cell and then it can be used in things like you know, rechargeable batteries uh, heat storage, heat pumps, hydrogen compressors and it can also be used to store hydrogen in space to be used in satellites and other green space technology that we're looking at doing at the moment. But there's a problem with metal hydride for hydrogen energy storage. It is really slow to charge and to discharge. It has low thermal conductivity. So to address this, the researchers they have made these internal heat exchanges using a tube in a particular spiral shape, which improves the heat and mass transfer inside that storage. And and this is partly because of more surface area being available for that heat removal from the metal hydride powder to the cooling fluid. So what all this means is that the hydrogen charging time was reduced by 59% when using this new coil. They just changed the shape of the coil and there you go. You have a much more efficient hydrogen fuel cell. And now they're aiming to make this new design for hydrogen energy storage that will combine other types of heat exchanges as well. So some good news there.
1: Yeah, and uh, we st we stay in motoring and no, in mean, motoring with actually construction this time around with uh, engineers who've discovered a way to replace the gravel and uh, crushed rock and concrete with rubber from um, old tires.
0: Yeah, it's uh, engineers from RMIT University that they've done this. Uh, It meets building codes as well, which was a problem that they'd encountered in previous versions. And this new, greener, lighter concrete also promises to reduce manufacturing and transportation costs significantly. I think it is important to note that small amounts of rubber particles from tyres are already used to replace gravel and crushed rock. But there's been efforts to replace all of it with rubber And what it's ended up with is really weak concrete that didn't meet building standards until now. They can now do it using newly designed casting moulds that compresses the rubber in fresh concrete and it actually enhances the building materials performance. This manufacturing process will have huge environmental and economic benefits because a major portion of typical concrete is gravel. And replacing all of this with used tyre rubber can significantly reduce the use of natural resources and also address the major environmental challenge of what to do with used tyres. Because used tyres in Australia, they can't be exported. So making new methods for recycling and reprocessing them locally is becoming increasingly important. There's going to be about 1.2 billion tyres thrown out every year by the year 2030. So we need to find something to do with all of those tyres. And look, this greener and lighter concrete, it could also greatly reduce manufacturing and transportation costs too. So this would benefit a bunch of developments, including low-cost housing projects in rural and remote parts of Australia, and other countries around the world as well. We could export this. And this manufacturing process, it could be scaled up cost-effectively by using precast concrete industrial settings, both here and and overseas. So the team is now looking into reinforcing the concrete to see how it can work in structural elements. So we're very close, very close to having something to do with all these tyres, and having better concrete at the same time.
1: Really an excellent development there. And now the last one of the day, the last story of the day, it's about a new ultra-thin but tough implantable material that could treat spinal cord injury and Parkinson's disease.
0: Yeah, that's right. There's a flexible implanted electronics they're a step closer to being used in clinics thanks to a recent breakthrough technology that's been developed by a team from Griffith University and also the University of New South Wales, Sydney. And these implantable, flexible devices have enormous potential to treat chronic diseases like Parkinson's disease and injuries to the spinal cord because these devices allow for direct diagnosis of disorders in internal organs and they also provide suitable therapies and treatments right there in the device. For example they could give electrical stimulations to targeted nerves to regulate abnormal impulses and, and restore body functions and because of direct contact requirements with you know, biofluids if you've got anything inside your body you know, maintaining the, the long-term operation making sure that they last a long time is a pretty big challenge, as you could imagine. And this system is made of silicon carbide nanomembranes, is is the full term of that. That's the contact surface. And silicon dioxide as like a protective capsule around it. So what that means is that it's super stable and it's super functional. And for the first time, this team has successfully developed an implantable electronic system that will actually last for decades. And this could be used for implanted devices like cardiac pacemakers and deep brain stimulators. And it has really powerful capabilities for fast treatment of several different crank diseases. Now, we do have traditional implants that exist, but they're bulky and they have a different mechanical stiffness from human tissues that does mean a potential risk to patients so developing mechanically soft but chemically strong electronic devices is the key solution to this long standing problem that we've had and you know, this concept of the the silicon carbide flexible electronics it provides really promising avenues for neuroscience and neural stimulation therapies which could mean life saving treatments for neurological diseases and also like much better outcomes for patient recovery so very exciting times with implantable electronic devices
1: amazing amazing cutting-edge technology coming out of australia this is just amazing now ray johnston thank you very much for bringing us uh, new and exciting developments in Samsung technology once again
0: no thank you very much for having me want to hear more stories like this Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.